Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, and today I bring you Jono Bacon. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose, and I have confidence in my plan, and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. And no, I didn't invite Jono to the podcast just because of his last name, although I do love bacon. And we addressed that just very briefly in the episode, which is very important to understand. Um, but, you know, sometimes I get these, I come across folks who I'm like, man, these are just, this is just an amazing person. But I don't know if this topic is relevant for my audience or not. And this was one of them initially, I'll be honest. And, after, but but I knew I had to have him on. I knew I just had to find a way to get this guy on and to pull the best stuff out of him, and and I did. And man, it was this is such an incredible episode. And I I've come to realize that there are several things that came out of this conversation that are going to be so important and so impactful for for you. This guy, by the way, he was the director of community for X Prize. Um, he works with companies like Google and Intel and Microsoft and lots of others in terms of how to build their community. And I know that all of us, all of us have passions, right? We all kind of deep down have some movement we want to start, right? And and we're part of organizations or part of a company. And he shares how, not only how you can build a community, like actually tactics on how to do it, but also why, like why it's so important. I urge you to think about how you can incorporate some of this stuff in your life and in your organization, in your community, in anything that you're involved with. And, and one of the things that I've come to really realize through this conversation is that failure and resiliency, in order to, to be resilient, you have to 
be part of a community, right? It's necessary. It's helpful. Whenever you fail and struggle and face adversity and setbacks, it's so important to be part of a community. And there's so much value in terms of, um, in terms of bouncing back from challenges and, and feeling supported through challenges and adversity. So we talk a little bit about not just why to start one, but, but why to be a part of a community. So without further ado, my interview with John O'Bacon, here's a little bio on John. Jono is a leading community strategist, speaker, author, and podcaster, and the founder of Jono Bacon Consulting. He has served as director of community at GitHub, Canonical, and XPRIZE, and a lot of other companies. And his clients include Microsoft, Intel, Google, Sony, Deutsche Bank, Santander, and a lot of others. Uh, He's the author of the critically acclaimed The Art of Community. That's his first book and his newest book, People Powered. He's also a columnist for Forbes and the founder of the Community Leadership Summit and Open Collaboration Conferences. He is doing a lot. And as always, if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode or if you hear something you like but you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of The Action Plan. You know where to get it, jimharshawjr.com slash action. Let's get into the interview. Jono, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for thanks for making time, man. So you just launched your book. I know that's a whirlwind. Yep. One of my clients, as I just mentioned to you a few minutes ago, launched his his first book here recently. And man, I, I know the whirlwind that that is. So so congratulations <laughs> on getting another book out the door. Uh, Thank we're you. Talk about that here in a second. But first, why don't you give us a little bit of background? Tell us, you know, kind of, you know, we know a little bit from your accent already. Tell us a little bit about you know where you're from, where you grew up, and the thirty thousand foot view of uh, how you got from yeah. here. Sounds good. So I am uh, astute listeners will note that I'm from England, although a lot of people think uh, that I'm from Australia because I've got this weird Englishman living in America accent, which is kind of, you know, fusing into something a bit odd. Um, I was I was born in the north of England and I was raised in southern England, uh, kind of moved around England a little bit. Um, and my passion here is about about communities. Uh, back in 1998, my brother introduced me to a kind of a, a nascent uh, new op- operating system called Linux for computers. And uh, Linux is, was and is created by thousands of people all around the world who kind of come together to build it together. And they connect electronically and they build it electronically. And that just kind of opened up a light bulb for me around this notion of bringing people together to do interesting things. And I think it's a a really powerful element of the human condition. And I think when it's harnessed really well, you can get incredible results, not just in terms of technology, but in terms of activism, consumer products and and, and more. And society is is heading more and more in that direction because, you know, we're increasingly connected. We're all walking around with a supercomputer in our pockets and, and we're connected to the internet. So, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity for collaboration. And my goal has been to figure out every nuance of how that works throughout my career. What I find interesting, Jono, is I think it's easy to think that that these just happen. Like communities just happen naturally and organically. <laughs> yeah, but they don't necessarily. I mean, it takes effort right. to create them. I know uh, on my end, even just just the small community I have of my clients in in a in you know just in our Facebook group, right? Just that level of community. It's hard. Mm. It takes work. It takes effort. But you know, you've worked with, you know, small companies, uh, major corporations, uh, and organizations, and you've really figured out how to build community. So I guess let's just start by telling us, I mean, tell us a little bit about the book. First of all, you know, it's called people powered, how communities can supercharge your business brand and teams. So tell us first about the book. 
Yeah. So the goal of the book is, is, is really broken into three pieces. One is, you know, I'm a consultant. I work with a, a really broad variety of companies when it comes to building communities and it you know, across technology, consumer products, security, financial services, <laughs> nonprofits all over the place. And um, the term community is kind of a weird term because it means different things to different people. And one of the goals that I had with People Powered was to really present this value of communities and what it can do. So, for example, you know, Salesforce, Oracle, SAP have built communities of over a million members. We've had Star Citizen raise $250 million in crowdfunded donations. We've had, you know, Firefox, Wikipedia have, uh, have built the open web and content there's many many examples of this so one the first part of the book is to basically outline the value of this and also i like to think that i'm a no bs kind of person right i don't kind of go into a lot of this kind of walking on coals the world is perfect all of the time business like to me you got to present the good and the bad and i also walk through the challenges of building of what a community can present as well but then the second part of the book goes through how do you then actually build a community it's this interesting mixture of putting the right workflow and incentives in place understanding the psychology of how people think and how we want to collaborate together and how we spend time with each other and then the third piece is okay so how do you take all of that and how do you actually integrate it into the day-to-day -day norms of an organization? And that could be a business, it could be a charity, it could be any, anywhere else where you've got to hire the right people, you've got to track the work effectively, you've got to make sure that different teams are bought into this vision. So it's it's a business book, but you know, one thing that bugs me, frankly, Jim, about a lot of business books is you know, they kind of present a couple of principles and then they just drown you in examples and you're you know, 10 pages in and you think, I get it. Okay. Loosen up. <laughs> right. And uh, they don't go anywhere ne near deep enough. My goal with people powered was to present a very general purpose, useful blueprint for this. But so there's a lot of depth, but also it's high level enough that people aren't going to get lost within, you know, 10, 20 pages. Yeah. So. so, so let's start with, can you define a community for us? I mean, what, what do you mean by a community? At its base level, I see a community as it's a group of people who come together shared by a common interest or mission, right? So that could be um, employees in an organization working together in an internal community. It could be people working together on, for example, an open source project. It could be people coming together for a you know, for uh, an activism purpose, whether it's a political party or whether it's, you know, a social issue or something along those lines. Or it could just be people hanging out and having fun with each other. It could be Star Trek fans hanging out in a forum. Like sure. it's all of these different pieces. I tend to think that there's three types of community. I present this in People Power. There's three models. The first is what I call consumer, which is where people come together just to hang out with each other and enjoy an interest together. And that's usually on a forum or some kind of uh, communication channel. The second is what I call champion, which is where people produce material that supports that community and they could and it's added to a stockpile so it could be people creating videos or writing documentation and content it could be people organizing local events um, or providing support and then the third model is where people work together on the same thing and that could be working on a on an open source project or it could be people building apps for example for an app store or plugins for a for a for a, a, a platform or it could be people building 3d objects for a video game but fundamentally what's interesting is that while those three models you build communities that the the strategy you'd use for each of these three models would be slightly different what threads through all three of them are the same it's the same psychology right because it's it's we're people and there's a lot of consistency in how people tend to think and operate so so do you draw on sort of knowledge of communities, even like pre-internet. I mean, pre-internet, 
there were communities, right? But they were they yeah. were physical, and now we are all connected, and we can connect with people, you know, with with similar interests from around the world when none of this was possible. Yeah, just not that long ago. I mean, I've got a teenage son now who, right. you know, this is the only world that he's grown up in, right? But yeah, but yeah. you and I can remember just not that long ago when when these things weren't really that yeah. possible. Um, yeah, so, exactly. so what do you? What do you learn from that, and, and and how are those you know the the pre-internet communities similar and, and dissimilar to the communities you're talking about building? So what's interesting, I think, is that <clears throat> is that um, pre-internet people were were very dependent on their local community, their local area, right? So, you know, before the internet, you'd see many, many different communities forming. It'll be in local church halls and recreation centers. There'd be book clubs, there'd be knitting circles, there'd be sports societies. Um, you get, you know, organized, you know, groups such as the Rotary Club and places like that. And fun- fundamentally, I think what brought those people together was the thrill of being around other people who, share your interests or kind of in your tribe, right? And you define your tribe as, you know, I'm interested in this particular thing and and I can join in with other people. But they were fundamentally limited to um, A, your local area. B, there's kind of a scaling issue. You can only fit so many people into your group. And C, a lot of these events, a lot of these communities primarily formed in events. And often there'd be very little interaction in between those events because you, you didn't really have a means of doing that. You couldn't, if you had 30 people come to your 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 event, how could you engage with those 30 people in between events? I mean, you could all get on like a group phone call, but that would be a bit weird. But now with the advent of the internet, what's great is that um, we can have our community in our pocket. And um, and I think part of the reason why communities have grown so significantly in recent years is twofold. One is that access to technology is getting cheaper, like com- computing has become commoditized and access to the internet, especially in developing nations, like in India, for example, the cost per gigabit of, of mobile data is is far cheaper than it is in the UK and, and the US. Um, 85% of millennials have a smartphone and even feature phones in developing nations are getting more and more effective and more capable. So people have got the ability to connect better than they've ever had previously. Um, but the, I think the the second reason why it's changing is because where you mentioned this with your teenage son, like our relationship with each other and our relationship with our brands and companies is changing. Like years ago, you go and buy a product from a company and that'd be it. You know, if you had a problem, you'd call their customer support line and you may get a newsletter, but that's about it. And now I mean, just look at Fitbit, for example. They produce exercise trackers, but they've got a whole community where you can meet other runners and swimmers and CrossFit people and people like that. So people want that kind of stuff. So So we have some listeners who work in a corporate environment who are listening to this and say, yeah, this makes sense for the company that I work for or the business that I run. What about for others? Like the entrepreneur right. who's listening or the person who has this small business, this side hustle, right? Or yeah. maybe it's a school leader, school principals, or, or even yeah. teachers or, or people who are involved in their community. Why is this important? And we covered some of that already, but maybe, maybe more so, how do you go about it? How do you go about creating this? Yep. Yeah. So I think one one of the reasons why this is incredibly powerful, and I think this is not just the future of how businesses are going to operate, but I think this is the future of how society is going to operate, is that we are intrinsically social creatures. We like spending time with each other. And one of the the things I talk about in the beginning of People Powered is 
I'm a firm believer that that to really do something well, you need to understand the first principles about what's driving that. And the first principles that drive um, a community is that people fundamentally seek out meaning. So they want to do meaningful work or they want to be involved in something that's meaningful. And two, um, people want to feel a sense of belonging. Now, I don't want to get too fluffy, but this is really is a, a, it's a, a, a physiological, a psycholo- psychological uh, component to this absolutely is that when you feel like you belong somewhere whether it's in your family at your company in your local community or whatever it might be where you'd be missed if you left then it builds remarkable levels of retention and so what happens is if you build an environment where people feel that sense of mission and belonging then it's incredible what they will do to be a part of that and uh and and that's essentially what communities are really good at is that a community has a shared sense of communal value you do something in the community and it builds that sense of belonging it builds your social capital and it builds that kind of retention now the reason why i think this is valuable let's say someone's listening here and yes they're an entrepreneur maybe they've got a side hustle for example communities have been a very powerful tool for a building a much closer relationship with your customers and your users um and building that kind of retention but also the what's what's known as the referral halo which is where if someone if someone experiences something that's really good like let's say i mean i had this a few weeks ago we had someone come over and power wash the front of our house and the guy did an amazing job i would refer him to anybody jim if you want power washing he'll fly over to virginia and help you out, okay <laughs> so if people join a community and they have a good experience they refer it Sure. So what happens is you build like retention builds referrals. And this means for entrepreneurs, it's a great way to break into new markets. And many businesses have succeeded because they've built a following around what they're doing. Um, I mean, one example, for example, is Mozilla, which was, you know, David and Goliath against Microsoft in terms of the early days of the web. And they completely changed how the web's been consumed. So it's fascinating to see the, that the <clears throat> psychology behind what you just said. I, I see that all the time. So I host I host these small mastermind groups. I have lots of them. Right. And it's so interesting when, whenever we're on those calls and people talk about the value that they, they get from, you know, they had from a conversation with me recently or the value that they yeah. got from my podcast, this, this podcast episode, it just reinforces the value to each other uh, of what yeah. we're doing collectively. Right. And, and for, yeah. for me as a business person. So, uh, I, I can see that even on, on a small scale. So, so for the person who is listening, it says, "Okay, I want to get started." Um, How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, what do I do? I do I just uh, create the Facebook group and and everybody's just going right. to show up and everything's going to be great? I mean, what's uh, what? What do you do? Yeah, so this is actually, and without wishing to sound like a complete shill, this is this is essentially what People Power, my new book, is all about. And I'll go, I'll give you a summary of kind of, of the approach because uh, I've been building communities for about twenty years now, and like anybody, I've made innumerable mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to ask you about those too. <laughs> yeah, and they're always fun to talk about. And I'm sure if my wife was on here, she'd be able to give you an extra few as well. Of course. But I've kind of carved out a methodology that I've designed over the years, and so. This is how I would summarize it. And obviously, people can find more more detail in the book. The first thing I think you need to do is to identify, like, what is the mission of your community? What are you out there to do? And that's got to be inspirational. It's got to make the hairs in the back of someone's neck stand on end, right? Whether excited about it. Because again, remember, people want meaning. They want to feel, to feel like they're doing meaningful work. So get people excited about what you're doing. The second thing then is to design the value proposition. So everything in the world, in my mind, starts and ends with value. 
Now, there's two types of value in a community. There is the value for your organization that you want to generate, such as, you know, if you're a company, we want our customers to provide support for other customers. We want them to organize events. We want them to produce materials about our products. But then there's the value for the individual. What do they get out of it? Why should they take time away from their family and friends and PlayStation 4 to come and do this? And uh, and that could be, you know, they're building their skills. There's career opportunities that, they, that they're, they're, they're looking into. They're solving problems that, that relate to them specifically you've got to start with the value for the individual first because then you're going to design something people intrinsically want to join and if you only focus on the value for the organization you'll build a community frankly that's quite boring so that's that's the first piece now so we're zoomed out an important part for for people to get if you're only building it for the value of the organization it's it's going to flop right it's got to be for the value of of the individuals and in the others who are in the community that's 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 exactly tick right Right, exactly. I mean, it's the way my philosophy is all of the answers to anything when you're an entrepreneur, whether it's how your product runs, how your business is going to be useful, all of those answers exist in the heads of your audience. You just need to pull them out in a way that you can act on them. And data is valuable here. And so I'd start like that with with value. Um, But then zooming in, then the next step is that what we do is we decide what are the personas that we want to attract to generate that value. So there's different types of community participation. What do you want people to do, essentially? Do you want them to organize events? Do you want them to produce technology? Do you want them to uh, create documentation? Do you want them to provide support? Do you want them to translate things? Just a couple of examples, and you can't do all of them. So pick the things that are most valuable to you, and design the persona. Like, what are these? How are these people incentivized? How are they motivated? Where do you think they're going to exist within your industry? What do they read? What websites do they follow? What social media accounts do they follow? Because that's going to give you a sense of how do we design the value that's relevant to that persona. And then by defining where they exist, that gives us a sense of where we go and find them to pull them in. And at that point. Now what we do is we design an on-ramp to make it as easy as possible for them to consume that value in that community. So this is really critical because a lot of community managers, what they do is they go out, they do a ton of promotion. They speak at events, they organize, they write blog posts, they do social media. And then what happens is someone comes into your community, they're interested, they come to the front door. And then it's this incredibly complicated means of getting started. They've got all this documentation that's vaguely scattered over the place. Some of the tools don't work. You know, it's, it's just confusing. So you've got to make sure that that onboarding is really simple and easy. It's one of the reasons why, for example, in video games, the first level of every video game is a tutorial to give people a sense of how to pick up the game. Otherwise, people are confused and they won't play the game and they'll return it. And then what happens is a community is a journey. It's broken into three phases. You first of all, once you've generated that first piece of value, the next step is okay, I become a casual member. So I show up occasionally. I don't really know what's going on. I'm a bit nervous. I've got a high level of imposter syndrome. So what are the me- methods and techniques that we use to, to bring them in? So for example, you know, mentoring is very valuable here. H- heavily rewarding your members uh, when they when they do something. You know, it's kind of like a kid. Like when a, when, when a kid's starting something new, you over credit them, right? And then what happens is it builds their confidence where gradually they'll kind of get used to it and then you won't need to credit them as much. And then after they after they're casual members, they then become regulars, which is where they've built a habit of form of being around your community. The recommendation I have to make to clients is, you want to try and get someone to participate mostly regularly for about 66 days. It takes about 66 days scientifically to build a habit, whether you want to lose weight, eat healthy, stop drinking gin, which sounds awful to me, <laughs> uh, or anything else. 
And then what happens is a small number of those community members, because in the regular phase, that's when they really start feeling that sense of belonging. A small number of them will become what I refer to as core members who are just completely obsessed they love what you're doing they care about the overall success of the community and each of these phases like the the regular and the core they should mentor the casual and the and the core people should mentor the regulars for example so that's how i tend to think about how you structure it and then what you do to move people along from the casual to the regular to the core you drop lots of little incentives in because human beings are very incentivizable creatures right we collect airline miles we collect trophies and video games you know, we do all of these different things. So there's different types of incentives that will keep people interested and engaged. And that's that's essentially the framework in which I think about the structure of a community. And then I recommend in the book, for example, you break this into an annual set of objectives. You start simple. You define a set of tactics. So there's always a genealogy from the individual tactics, such as, you know, dressing your social media accounts all the way up to the value that you started out with. Yeah, I love that because so many times you either get the tactics or the theory and, and you're connecting both. And that's awesome. And I, I want the listener to get like this is, you know, what Jonah, Jonah is talking about is starting like, you know, the, the philosophy and the, and the steps for starting a movement, right? To getting people connected, right? And yeah, and we all have that. We all have that passion. We all have that thing that, that we want to share. And so yeah. we're going to talk about the flip side here in a second. Yeah. But before we do that, I also want to point out this underlying success principle that I'm that I'm seeing and that I hear that's coming through. And you're basically translating it into how to build a community. But it's like, this is not about you. This is not about the organization. This is about the people. This is about bringing them value. Like It's the same thing if yeah. you're networking. I've had guests come on and we talked about networking. It's not about you. It's about them. right? It's about the other person. right? In oh, totally. any relationship yeah. that you're in, it's not about you. It's about them. right? How do you, how do you, you know, focus on the other person? You know, Zig Ziglar has a famous quote, and I'm paraphrasing. He said something to the effect of, like, you can have anything in the world that you want as long as you help enough other people get in the world get what they want. Right. And that's, yeah, that's what I you're doing. Agree. You're providing what, figuring out what they want and you're giving it to them. And then in the end, you, the, the organization, whoever's founding this community is getting the value. Right. So you bring them value yeah. first and you put them first. And that's just, um, yeah. And a community a is essentially, it's building a vessel where a group of people can share value with each other and they act as an amplifier for this value in a way that, to your point, Jim, is, is, it's not like a lot of marketing folks, their strategy is all about, you know, building out the brand around a business, which is great. But if it's too focused on the brand and too focused on the business, frankly, it just feels like cheap marketing. Sure. And um, and the community is an antidote to some of that. I mean, communities are hand in hand with great marketing, but it builds. It's one of the reasons why I think they succeed is that it doesn't feel like you're just a you just cheap labor for a, for a company. But to your point. It's important that organizations realize that community members are not in it for your organization. They're in it together. That's what they, they, they care about. You're, and all of the value comes through enabling them. And you'll get massive amounts of value for your organization through doing that. Yeah. And it's, this is great marketing for an organization in the same way that great sales is, is done well. Great sales is not about selling something that's to somebody that they don't want. It's about giving them something that is of value. It's going to help them in yeah, their life and whatever, exactly. whatever they want. Right. So on the flip side of this, why should I join a community? Right. I've got enough going on in my life. You know, why, why join a community? What's, what's a, yeah. what's the, the value of the individual, you know, for, for joining yeah. a community. 
It's a great question. I mean, I tend to think of it there's there's three kinds of value here. And it starts with pragmatic value. Like what can I immediately get out of it? So a lot of people join communities and they're kind of like window shoppers. They're just looking at what's going on in the community. And so a very common example here is, you know, you buy a new product. Um, you don't know how to do something. So you type a question into Google and it takes you to their community forum and you find the answer. And this is one of the reasons why, and again, this is a, a principle that I kind of exude in, in people power it is, is when your community generates value, you want it to be visibly uh, consumable outside of your community, right? Because then, because this is how you pull new people in. So, you know, First reason is they want to solve a problem that they're interested in. They want to build some skills, um, or they're interested in spending time with 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 people who you know within that community. Very pragmatic. The second reason why a lot of people will join communities is for career benefits, right? I mean, to give you a concrete example, which is my own career, when I joined the open source community back when I was 18, I was a snotty, long-haired, 18-year-old kid with an Iron Maiden T-shirt on. I had. <laughs> No reason why anyone would ever want to hire me. But what I did is by spending time in the community, it gave me an opportunity to build a resume. You know, I, I organized local communities. I that opened up opportunities to to write for magazines and 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 kind of it trickled on from there. So building experience, building skills, um, networking with other people, getting to know other people can offer enormous career value. But then the third, I think, then gets back to, again, kind of that that central core of the human condition, which is that sense of belonging, that sense of mission and meaning. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people stick around is because they feel good when they're part of something, you know, that the world feels a little less lonely um, when you're part of a community. And uh, there's a lot of lonely people out there. And yeah. I think particularly in, in the current political climate that we're experiencing with so much division it's really nice to go and spend time in a community where people are generally pretty cool to each other <laughs> yeah, so. agreed excellent so you mentioned along the way Jono, that, that you've made some mistakes so no, oh, yeah. <laughs> I always ask to, you know, I want to hear a story about failure, right? Um, whether it's whether yeah. it's around community building or elsewhere. But, you know, can you tell us about a time where you failed? Because, you know, we, we, you know, we look at somebody like you who's written a couple of books now and you work with these major brands like Google and Intel and Microsoft. But have you failed? And, and tell us oh, about yeah. a time where you failed. I've, I, I mean, I failed so many times. Uh, I mean, it really started when I was at school. Like I, I left school. I got primarily C's when I was doing in England. You do your GCSEs, which is your your core education, and then um, you do what's called A levels, which are two years of education between your GCSEs and your uh, going to university. And when I uh, so I primarily got C's in my GCSEs, very average student. And then when I uh, went on to do my A levels, I, I just joined my first band, and I just was distracted. I was always a good kid never got into trouble or anything like that but i i came out of my a levels with two d's an e and an n and an n is like you spell your name wrong in the exam paper i mean it's really bad <laughs> which basically didn't give me any points really for going to university i talked my way into university essentially wow. but i i think um failure is often like it, when you fail as a kid it's difficult because you don't have enough knowledge of the world to really put it into context. Like back then, I didn't realize, like now, I don't particularly care, whatever. But back then, I cared quite deeply. But it be, I think failure becomes more challenging as your career continues to grow. And I think the primary, a good example of many failures was when I was asked to keynote a conference called OSCON, which is a huge open source conference that takes place in Portland every year. And when I was asked to keynote, it was kind of at the peak of the success of OSCON. There was about 6,000 people in the audience. I had basically a 15-minute keynote. All of my colleagues 
my contemporaries were in that audience and I got up and I had a, a separate 45 minute session that I was there to, you know, to deliver later on in the day. And that was easy, put that together. But I always, I've been speaking for years and I always tried to, you know, have a, a start, a middle and an end, tell a story in my, in my talks. And I struggled to do that in 15 minutes. You know, this was about six, seven years ago. So, uh, I got up, did my keynote and it sucked. It, it was bad. I knew two or three minutes into it that this was bombing. <laughs> this was not good in any way, shape or form got off the stage just mortified and went up to a really good friend of mine uh, to this day called Steve Wally. And I said, it wasn't good, was it? And he said, you've done better. <laughs> and I said, what, like what, what went wrong? And he said, look, some people are good at writing novels and some people are good at writing short stories. You're better at novels. You need to learn how to write a short story. And I thought, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And what an educational uh, lesson. I mean, what, what you learn from that. Uh, Oh, it was, it was tremendous. It sucks, but then it's I was, hurt, it's painful, but you learn. Right. And I was still wrestling with, I just felt humiliated. I was like, I want, I've now seen the error and I want people to know that I've seen the error. Um, so I scuttled off into a, into a, a room at the, at the conference. And I wrote a blog post on my blog and I said, I just keynoted Oscon and it sucked. And I walked through my learning lesson and, and all the rest of it. And I went away and I watched YouTube videos about how to do great 15-minute talks. And now I do 15-minute keynotes all the time, and wow. I think they're good. Wow. Um, yeah. But, so he was like, just own it, you know? Own it. And, yeah. And I found, honestly, a lot of people like, you wrote a blog post? And for me, actually, writing the blog post was the nicest element of it because I felt cleansed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that. Yeah, you could purge it, right? Purge it. Get it out there. And, yeah. You know, and... To me, if somebody else can can learn that lesson, uh, if somebody else has, has learned how to write short stories <laughs> without going through that pain, then I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and, and for the listener, I just want you to get this. I want you to understand that that this is you're going to feel that way if you're trying to achieve something meaningful in your life. You're going to have to go through pain and suffering at some level. It might be embarrassment in front of a uh, and humiliation, like the term you use, Jono, in front of all these people. Or it might be something totally different, but it doesn't mean don't yeah. ever try it again. You've yeah. obviously tried it again. You learned. You got, and now you're better at it, right? That's that's yeah. part of the process, right? Yeah, um, I, and I think that's the thing. Like, always know you're going to suck at something at first. Like, I, I'm really into barbecue. When I first started smoking ribs, God, they were awful. I made my friends sit through them, and they kind of lied through their back teeth about how good they were. They weren't. They were awful. But you get better. So, yep, that's part of it. So, Jono, for the for the listener who's saying, "Listen, I'm in," what's an action item they can take in like the next 24 to 48 hours to maybe start creating a community or bringing yep. this to somebody at their company or maybe joining a community? I mean, maybe one action item for for the listener. Yeah, I mean, the thing I would definitely start with is 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 start with like. What is the value we could potentially bring? Like, look at other communities, maybe in your space, and and see if they've succeeded there. And even if you don't see any communities, it doesn't mean that you can't build one. There's always a first person or first organization. And what I would recommend, honestly, is just make a plan. You know, make a simple plan. Start with something simple. It could be setting up a forum. It could be doing a little bit of social media. Start with something and just start doing something, and then follow the progress and see how you how you do and evaluate based upon your progress. The other thing I would also recommend people do in the short term is 
is just have a series of what I refer to as executive assessments. And this can actually be broken into two pieces. One is sitting down with your colleagues or your friends or your family and just talking them through it, talking them through like, okay, what's my thought process on, on this community and, you know, getting other people's perspectives and opinions, because that will help to guide it. But also, and this might sound a little weird to, to your listeners, do it with yourself. This, I do this all the time when I'm driving. I'll essentially have a meeting with my brain. I do the same thing, yeah. So it just makes two of us. Thank you. God, make now my right. listeners won't think I'm as crazy. Good, keep talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and what I do is, you know, like we all go through moments where you're like, am I doing a good job? Did I make the right decision? And then be the other side of the debate. Like I remember, I remember a year ago, for example, thinking, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job. I don't feel like I'm offering enough value for my clients. Like, I can think I could be doing so much more. And then I kind of what and like the other side of the debate in my head, in my schizophrenic brain was was, OK, let's look at the client list. Like each of your clients is on average with you for 16 months. OK, so they're clearly deriving value. But what are some areas? Yeah. Are you doing a good job? Yes. But can you do more? Of course. Like what are the simple things that you can do? And you kind of knock yourself around a little bit. Frankly. That's right. Yeah. It's I call it self-coaching. Right. Yeah. You're just asking Super yourself powerful. the hard questions and forcing yourself to answer them out loud and actually think through them as opposed to letting those thoughts just swirl around in your head, but you're bringing them out to the, to oh, the surface. I always yeah. feel better when I've done love it as that. well. I Likewise. I love so. that you brought that up. I always get value out of doing that too. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Jono. Jono, where, where can the listener find you, follow you, buy your book, et cetera? Yep. So People Powered is available in all good bookshops. You can get it on Amazon. Um, and it's available as a hardcover um, audiobook, which I read myself, um, and uh, ebook, you know, like Kindle and elsewhere. Um, and you can also find out, I mean, my website is John O. Bacon, J O N O Bacon, like the delicious meat.com. Yeah, that's what and, originally attracted uh, me to having you on the show here, your last name. <laughs> I know that people only want me for my last name. I get it. <laughs> You're not unusual, Jim, in that regard. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah and um, and I'm an open book. Like, if people are interested in talking more about this, drop me an email, jono at jonobacon.com. So. Man, fantastic. Fantastic. So for the listener, as always, I'll have all the notes here for, right at uh, jimharshowjr.com slash action. You can download the PDF action plan from this or go straight to any of the links that he just suggested. Uh, we'll also have his social media links there as well. Jono, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Oh, Jim, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And for the listeners, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. 